Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So, I've got five things I need to work on when it comes to my own personal communication style. The first, I use the word just way, way too much. I just think. And instead, I should be saying, I think. And if you think about it, (laughs) it makes me sound apologetic, right? The second, um, the word actually. I actually disagree, or I I actually have a question, kind of, almost, other other words that I use like way too much. And and again, as I, I realized this and all the conversation and research I've been doing on this topic for today's show, it, it makes me sound like I'm surprised that I actually have an opinion or I actually have a question. Um, qualifiers. I do this all the time. I am no expert or I'm just thinking off the top of my head. It clearly, it, it undermines us when we make that type of statement, right? Does that make sense? The interesting thing in an, an incredible article on Goop that I read, it said, when you say, does that make sense? It can be condescending or be perceived to be condescending by another person? Um, Or have I been incoherent? (laughs) And then the last one I'm going to share is um, apologizing. I apologize all the time. And in this great article in Goop, and and I think the, the author's name was Tara Moore, she said, we end up just as women apologizing for just taking up space (laughs) the end of the day. Um, And in this article, it talks about how as women, we're doing this so that we soften our communication because we, God forbid, don't want to be labeled as bitchy, aggressive, or abrasive. Fear not. Today, I am joined by two incredible female leaders and we're going to talk about what, what they have termed conscious language. And we're going to unpack that. And as female leaders, how can we do a better job communicating? And as leaders in organizations, how can we do a better job supporting and guiding and coaching women in being as effective as they can be and successful as they can be in their communication style? I'm Sarah Alter. I'm your host for Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and I'm also the CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women. But today, I am joined by the incredible Pilar Gerasimo. She is the author of The Healthy Deviant, A Rule Breaker's Guide to Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World, and an award-winning journalist. And let the record state, she is our only guest that we have asked back now for a second time. That speaks volumes. <laughs> and then joined by the equally impressive Michelle Maldonado. 
and she is the founder and CEO of Lucencia. It's a firm dedicated to human flourishing and mindful business transformation. And oh, heck, we need both of those more than ever these days. So welcome, Pilar, and welcome, Michelle. Hey, let's get going. Yeah, good to be here. <coughs> Thank you so uh, much. My pleasure. All right. So, um, Pilar, let's start with you. You know, why why are you joining us the second time? <laughs> and in particular, um, we know why we invited you. That's for darn sure. Um, but particularly this topic. Yeah. So, interestingly, I became passionate about conscious language by having it demonstrated to me by a teacher. There was a teacher I had named Kat Thompson who um, has done a bunch of articles for Experience Life magazine, which I used to edit, and I found it in 2001. Ooh. And just a few years after I started that project, I encountered her in a few workshops where I was listening to her speak, and I was like, what is it about the way that she is speaking that is so compelling? There were some very noticeable things she was doing. For example, if she was having difficulty remembering something, rather than saying, I don't remember or I can't remember, she would say, I choose to remember. And I just was struck by that. And after class, I went up and asked her, why do you use some of these phrases? I'm really interested in that. And she said, oh, I'm practicing conscious language. Now, I want to be clear, this is not a term that I coined. It's a term that um, I learned from her, but that it's a discipline. And there is a book named, um, the, I think it's called Conscious Language, The Logos of Now, like the meaning of now by Robert Tennyson Stevens. It's a pretty big tome of information about how conscious language works, neurologically, psycho-spiritually, and so on. But my experience was of having it demonstrated and saying, I want to sound more like that <laughs> when I speak. Yeah. She was direct. Absolutely. She was clear. She was positive. She was very empowered in her language. It was extremely compelling to listen to. You never lost your attention listening. And she was always clear without saying, do you know what I mean? Or kind of sort of, do you understand? And I realized that in my own language, I was practicing a lot of um, ticks and tropes that were disempowering me. And I think undermining my intention in speaking, either by attenuating my meaning, weakening my meaning, um, or by confusing people, or just filling my world up with language that was unnecessary and unhelpful to the listeners and to me. So I think language defines us um, and the way we're seen and heard by others. It also really defines our reality and our, it expresses our consciousness in ways that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy in our real life every day. So I'm passionate about this topic and in talking about it with you, you're like, hey, this sounds like a, this sounds like a topic for the show. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I love how you phrased it. Like, would you rather be disempowered or empowered? <laughs> oh my gosh, Michelle, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, wh why is this topic so personal to you? Well, I got to say, I just love this topic and I love the list that you gave at the beginning. And let me just say what I'm always struck by and always remembering is this quote by Maya Angelou, which I'm sure a lot of people oh, heard, is her. that she said, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And that is the direct connection to conscious language. When we're intentional and aware of not just what we're saying, but how we're saying it, we actually evoke a somatic, like a, a, a response, a physiological response in the body, which is what people respond to when they connect Absolutely. or disconnect from you. 
And there's so much power in that. And when we think about what's happening in our nation, in our communities, in our families, in the world, there's a lot of gap. There's a lot of disconnect and it's over language and it's over perception and it's over what we predict things to be. So I look at conscious language as the foundation for being able to reclaim our power as individuals, as women, as any human, so that we can go into the world and have the kind of presence and impact that is meaningful and connective which is what we all really desire. And when you take that and you move it into conscious contracting in the legal field, conscious business in the traditional world, it becomes such an incredible connecting of cascading ripples that we start to see really concrete, tangible change that has roots and legacy. And that's what gets me excited about it because in this space is where a lot of power and magic lies. And like no greater source of power, right? Like no truer source of power than humility, you know, caring, you know, empathy. Oh, I love that. That is that is the perfect way to frame it. So let's talk about women in general then. Um, Pilar, when it comes to women, and and I, you know, shared, you know, humbly shared, you know, all of my areas to be focusing on. And and again, to everybody who's listening, we're going to get you tips individually and then organizationally, but let's unpack this at that that more conceptual level. When it comes to women, why are we doing what we do? (laughs) (laughs) Just conscious language. We'll start with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's a microcosm of our reality. You know, language like posture, um, expresses a lot and we're educated by society to show up in certain ways that are societally acceptable. And women have been taught to use language to do a bunch of things. You know, one is to create um, connection and coherence in a group of people, to avoid conflict, to kind of seam together edges of disconnection. So a lot of the language that we use, unfortunately, ends up being kind of frittered away (laughs) in managing other people's experiences and expectations. Not to say that that's a wasted effort, but we often use language to make ourselves a little smaller, to make it okay for other people, to make ourselves acceptable to a mixed group of people. Um, and this can you know, take a bunch of forms, I think, from effectively code switching in mixed groups of people to adapting, and this is a healthy thing to do, to adapting our language to the circumstances we're in. The problem that we have Absolutely. often as women is that that adaptation costs us. It costs us our power and our influence. It costs us our right to make a decision for ourselves about how we want things to go and to uh, use our own highest gifts and abilities in the service of our goals rather than managing other people's expectations and experiences. An example of this, which I think you gave, which was great, Sarah, is how will you use just or actually words that attenuate our meaning? They don't actually add value. See, I use actually. They don't add value. What they do is they create spaces where we can be interpreted differently or our meaning can be weakened or seem to be negotiable, right? I say right, right? So I'm asking you to agree with me when I say right. And it's as though unless you say, (laughs) unless you agree with me, I can't keep going. I need to have you nod or say, right. Oh, absolutely. Whereas most men, when they speak, land an idea, 
much more directly. And it's not that there's a right or wrong way, and it's not to say that you it's unhealthy to look for accord or agreement with the people that you're with. It's that the, the need to do it expresses that unless I have your approval, I will not continue speaking. And that can, as I think Michelle just beautifully said, the somatic reality of that, how that lands in the body, how that lands in my posture, in my facial expression, also communicates. Like if I'm looking, I nod. This is one of the things I do. <laughs> I'm always nodding at people, like saying, keep going, I'm listening, keep going. The effect can be that I'm sometimes nodding along as someone saying something I disagree with. And I need, that's a pattern I'm working to break. So, um, Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that happen, but I think one of the most fundamental issues for women is that we've been taught to use language in ways that disempowers us while it kind of leaks our energy all over the place and often ends up weakening our, weakening our intended message. I also just want to say that having heard Michelle speak publicly and in meetings and in just groups of people, Michelle takes this to a high level <laughs> of embodiment that I so appreciate because it isn't just the words we use. It is the intention that we're holding in our body and how we make people feel, not just through our words, but through our presence and our intention of being in that space, virtual or real. It, and, and I, um, Michelle, I'm going to shine the spotlight on you. Uh, I didn't include it in your intro, but you're running for office for state legislature in the state of Virginia. So I have to imagine you absolutely <laughs> are just, Language is important. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, 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 so um, <clears throat> both of you mentioned this as we were preparing for the show, and Michelle would love to hear your thoughts on it, but situational awareness. And, and both of you had said, hey, you, 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 you need to be mindful of your room, right? You know, you need to be mindful of the environment. But it was interesting, Pilar, what you just said, where, you know, as women, we're like, in the spirit of harmony, I'll just adapt and flow and pivot so that everybody feels good. It, like, it can be a, a mixed bag. But what's your take on that, Michelle? Well, I, I, I 100% agree as as many groups have to uh, do that, not just women. Um, but what we find, what is really interesting about it and something that we should really be reflective about is sometimes we do that because uh, that's what we have been conditioned to believe is how we succeed. And sometimes we intentionally choose it as a strategy to move forward, as a strategy to be able to handle and manage and withstand the conditions in which we are working, living, whatever it is. And so sometimes you will see that it's an intent, it's a choice. It's not a subconscious kind of thing happening in the background. Right. And we see this oftentimes, we will sometimes see this with women. We'll see it with people of color. We'll see it with people who are in um, different populations around, you know, that are in uh, a adversity, ability, um, populations, identity, orientation, religious, uh, what have you, because to be able to navigate what is the norm in that culture and climate demands something different, unless you're willing to put in the energy and time to step into your power to begin to model uh, what could be possible. And let me just say, I that just kind of came out of my mouth like, oh yeah, you can just do that. <laughs> It is so much easier said than done because right. when you start to show up differently than the context that you're in, uh, you have to be aware 
of what that really means and to be prepared for what can come back in return. Sometimes the calculus tells you it's worth it and necessary. And sometimes people simply choose that cost is too much for me personally or professionally. And that's a personal decision. But what I love just sort of referring back to Pilar is that if we don't have the awareness about what we're doing, then the intention behind it gets muddled and cloudy. And then therefore how we show up and how that behavior, the words, et cetera, and the impact is expressed through us also becomes very muddled and can create even more um, challenge for us in the moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, I, I had a boss at one of the companies and he gave me feedback that I was too motherly. Okay. Yeah. We, we can just, we can stop right there. Okay. Yeah. Like that should have been a compliment. And instead I was too motherly and too nice. Mm. And what I should have said to him is, okay, look, don't mistake kindness for weakness. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I love what you were just saying, Michelle, that, um, and, and we see it clearly um, you know, it, for for diverse leaders, to your point, sometimes, sadly, they're in a culture where they feel like they have to check their true identity at the door. And that's what new is all about changing, right? Because we need to embrace everybody for all the great, unique, you know, perspectives and experiences that they bring to the table. Um, Can I talk to that just a little bit, Sarah? Because please, yeah. I think it's really interesting, that dynamic of having to choose, I think what um, Michelle said is so wise that it's one thing to make a conscious decision to show up with language that's different than the chosen or default language in the room. It's another to feel pressured to do that or feel that you have to do it as like your price of entry is to leave your reality, your language, your identity at the door. My dad was a sociologist and he was constantly pointing out to me the ways that we adjust ourselves to the unspoken rules in a room. And the one example that he gave that's just kind of a funny one was, but you know, when you go to the grocery store, you stand on one side of the counter and the you know cash register is on the other side, the, the, regist- the person who's running it. If you were to try to get around to that side, everyone would be really freaked out. Like there's no rule that says, hey, customer, you have to stand here. But you don't have to have a rule that's spoken. Everybody knows that's what you do. Sometimes in the place of business, when we're coached that way, and I certainly have been coached that way also as a woman in a mostly male-dominated room uh, by folks that said, here's some ways that you could be more effective in speaking to this group of people. Some of the things that I heard, I thought were kind of outrageous initially. Like, wait a minute, why should I have to do that? You know, and, and my defensiveness stopped me from hearing something that I thought was really important. And eventually an executive coach convinced me, these people are going to hear you better if you use fewer words. They will right. understand your meaning better right. if you don't decorate your language with all of these friendly, nice no one used the term motherly to me, but they might as well have like girly, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's reminding me of a story when I was negotiating a promotion for myself. I worked with an executive coach who kept making me use fewer words until we got down to three sentences. This is what I want. It's what I deserve. And it's what's best for the company. And she play acted and re- like role played that conversation with me and my boss, who was a very succinct kind of guy. Um, and it worked. It worked much better than my instinctive 
let me be myself kind of intention, which is like, I'm just going to fill the room with all the reasons that I deserve it. She goes, the reasons don't matter to him. He knows that you deserve it. You need to come in with power. And power comes in succinct, direct phrases. And I was like, <laughs> took me yeah. hours to practice that and be able to do it comfortably. It wasn't my natural state, but it, based on what was important to me in that meeting, which was getting the promotion, I was willing to adjust my language. I didn't need to be right. She was right in that situation based on my goal. So it kind of depends, you know, where you're at and what you want out of it. It's, it's, it, but your point, and I want to go back to it to, to be concise. And that's tricky, right? Because when you're, you know, giving a presentation or you're, you know, in a meeting and it's somewhat stressful. So and, hard. Right. It's like, we tend to all want to fill that space with words. And so that's like, okay, tip number one, <laughs> you know, focus on being concise. And, and I know we're going to get into it um, probably the second half, but Michelle, you've got a great framework, you know, that you've used to really guide you know, your own, um, you know, communication style and, 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 and experience. How do you tell us again, um, Pilar, how you, you took it and you like whittled it down to like three words or, and I'm oversimplifying, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically three Mm. sentences. It's what I want. It's what I deserve. It's what's best for the company. It's not to say that there was magic in those three specific phrases, but they did get across my argument in, you know, one eighteenth of the number of words. Um, and, and we'll talk, I hope, a little bit about the challenges of being almost unable to speak once you get into conscious language. There's a period where when you realize how you've been talking and the gap between that and where you want to be, all of the rules of conscious language can be really confounding. So I like that Michelle has a framework. Michelle, tell us your framework. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're gonna you're gonna lead us into the break. So so give us quickly give us your framework, okay. and then and then we're gonna dive into it in greater detail. Excellent. Okay, so I love working in threes. So I'm gonna add to Pilar's threes, and the way I look mm. at it is presence, presentation, and communication. The, and they necessarily go in that order. We have to build our own presence, our way of being before we can begin to project yeah. that out into whatever we present or whatever we communicate. So mm. we can mm. we can we can dig into that a little bit after the break, if you like. But what I will tell you just initially is that um, when we look at presentation, uh, there, are, I'm sorry, presence. Uh, think about that. How you show up. I, I, I sort of referred to um, the quote. You know, just knowing how you make people feel. Your presence, your ability to stay grounded, to stay that that flagpole rooted in the ground versus the flag whipping in the wind, and in this in the situations that you experience. That's power. And the ways that we can do that are numerous, but it is worthy of our time and attention to engage in those self-practices, the grace, the self-care, self-compassion to strengthen that sort of spine uh, of our ability to show up with full presence. Uh, I, I personally like to do that through connecting with nature, through meditation, and through um, practicing conscious language and conscious conversation. And so when I uh, think about that, it when I practice that, it necessarily brings my attention to my body, to the quality and thoughts 
running around in my mind, the narratives, the stories I'm telling myself. And, um, and then what I decisions I make and the behaviors I exhibit, you know, so um, I can't remember if it was you, Sarah, or you Pilar, who said in the beginning about, you know, we kind of predict, right, we start, we have these perceptions, well, there's this, this, another threes I like to use paradox prediction and perception. And so we're living in a world full of things that from our value system may or may not make sense. So the brain will think this is a paradox. These don't align. And so then because the brain is in a a predicting organ and we know from the the neuroscience that we begin to look at these things and pull from life experience to then predict what we think will happen and we live the future we predict, which then informs our filters and perceptions of our realities. And this all relates back to then how we show up in the quality of our presence. And so that's why we have to pay attention there, because that is the basis. It's the springboard from which everything else happens. Absolutely. Uh, I don't even want to take a break. <laughs> all right. So we are. <laughs> We're going to take a very short commercial break, and I want to thank everybody who's listened in today to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. But don't leave us, because in the second half, we're going to talk about how we as, as individuals and then as leaders and organizations can support women in their conscious language. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? 
Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Pilar Gerasimo, author of The Healthy Deviant, A Rule Breaker's Guide to Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World, and an award-winning journalist. And Michelle Maldonado, founder and CEO of Lucencia, It's a firm dedicated to human flourishing and mindful business transformation. And in today's discussion, we're sharing guidance on conscious language and communication styles for female leaders. All right. So, Michelle, we left off. You had just shared your framework of presence, presentation and communication. Presence, it 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 my my takeaway from what you shared, it's foundational. Right. Yes. It's it's your state of mind, it's your confidence, it's your spirit, it's your soul. But let's talk about presentation and communication and what you mean by those. Absolutely. And you know, if we can think about these three things in two buckets, the first one present is your way of being. The second two are your ways of doing. So it, it captures the how we do what we do, because often people are very clear about their why once they get there and the what that they're they're trying to strive for. But it's the connecting tissue of the how that often can be really challenging for us. And so the next step when you sort of, you know, take the time to cultivate, and let me just say, it's not a one-stop shop and you're done and boop, right. there's my presence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Takes, t- takes 10 minutes, right? <laughs> right. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is lifelong and our presence evolves over time as we grow. So just know that wherever you are today is, is fine. So be Okay. And know that um, we are all uh, works in process, in progress. Um, And so the next one is presentation. So presentation then takes the next step to say, okay, how am I presenting, uh, you know, uh, the way I navigate through an organization? How am I, my present, it can be a formal presentation, of course, like maybe you're presenting to your leadership, to your team, to a client, what have you. What are the things that are in place? You know, I Pilar mentioned this, the body language. People have to remember that conversations are multi-layered. It's not just what comes out of your mouth. It's how are you standing, sitting, what's your facial expression, what's your tone of voice, what are your eyes saying, are your arms crossed, are they open? All those things are layers of the conversation. How are you presenting? 
How are you paying attention to what's happening in the room? The thing that some people forget, and we often uh, can do this as women, is we, we are showing what we know, right? We want to let people know that we know what we know, that we are in command Absolutely. of our expertise in that. And, and women aren't the only ones that do it. But what happens in that mix is sometimes we forget that we have to meet people where they're at and we walk into a room and expect people to speak our language because we're going to tell them how this thing works. We can introduce vocabulary, but the the connecting way to, to get people through the door and to hear you is to find a way to translate the information into their language. And this is one of those steps that's so critically important. What's the language of the people I'm speaking to? There's there are these books like um, the the this whatever love language is. I am so forgetting the title right now. That's but when you when five, you figure the five love languages, the fi- yeah or, yeah, and th- they're fantastic. <laughs> yes, I bought one for my of teens because I have a teen son, and it's just phenomenal. And so you have to figure out what the love language is of the people in the room, and that helps you be able to present your information, your material, et cetera, appropriately. The last which, one is, is oh yes. oh, and I'm so sorry, Michelle. I was going to say yeah. which could be, for example, numbers, right? Yes, like it's and and that's just situational awareness that, you know, you could be going into a group or into a discussion where they want the facts, right? So appreciate that. So I'm sorry, please keep going. No, I love that highlight because the, the, an example of that would be if you're going into executives, you need to find out, do they prefer PowerPoint or do they just want the Excel spreadsheet? Or do they want a word right. document? How do they need to see the representation of the information you wish to provide? Don't make them, if they can't stand PowerPoint, you better create that Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, it, 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 um, it, No truer word said, I, I was in an organization where brought a lengthy PowerPoint and it was perceived as I'd wasted time and money because yes. I created a lengthy PowerPoint. Yes, 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 yes. When I used to practice law, none of the business people used Word. They all used PowerPoint. None of the lawyers used PowerPoint. They all used Word. And they were trying to share <laughs> documents back. And I'm like, what is this? And <laughs> so absolutely. And then the second part is communication. And here's what I want to say to the listeners is don't worry if you don't get it right the first, second, third, or even fourth or fifth time. Sometimes, as Pilar said, when you start to realize the power of the spoken word and the way that we can speak that is more empowering, we get a little confused because we are, we are retraining our brain about how mm-hmm. to speak. And so sometimes the words don't come out and we, we can get really, it can come out really clunky. And I'm going to tell a really quick story about my experience yeah. with this. When I practiced law, I always knew when I went into law, I went into law with the intention of being a business leader, but I wanted that grounding experience to make me a better business leader as a woman leading teams or, you know, pieces of organizations. And my first transition from law to business was on a deal that we were restructuring that I had originally been the lawyer on. And now they were like, oh, you are the lawyer. You can be the business person. And uh, on this restructuring, and it was very clear to me how to get out of the trouble that this deal was in and how to make it better. It was very clear. And it just came to me like with a snap of the fingers. But I was in the room with a whole bunch of people and I'm sweating. 
I am, I am like, my heart is racing. I'm like, I know I'm not sure how to say this. And, and I'm literally like, if anybody had been paying attention to me, they would have seen my eyes darting, sweat coming down my forehead. And then finally I get the courage. and, And meanwhile, the room is they're like, I don't know. This is a mess. And how are we going to fix this? And I'm like, I know in my head, I know how to fix this, but I couldn't say it. So finally I summon all the courage to say it. And it comes out of my mouth. Like I'm spitting out marbles on the ground. And, and it was like, and that's like how it sounded. (laughs) And and everybody in the room turned around and looked at me like, what, what is going on over there? Is she okay? We're okay. So just so everybody knows we are all smiling. We're we're not poking fun. (laughs) Michelle is laughing with me. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So in that moment, you know, then all of a sudden I start wiping the sweat off my brow and I'm like, okay, I said it. They've heard it. They're going to think it's as brilliant. And, but literally nobody knew what I'd said. They were just so like, what was going on? And no joke within five minutes, probably three minutes, my male counterpart starts tapping his forehead, gets up, walks around. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I think I've got it. And then he goes, we should. And he says exactly what I said. And everybody literally erupted and applause in the room. Ah! And I thought, holy cow. (laughs) So I always share that story because when I started to realize the power of my presence, my presentation and my modes of communication, it was really hard for me. Now, I will close this part by saying, that communication, you got to know your audience and you got to know your tools. You got to know your methods and that yeah. takes time and yeah. practice. And if you can give yourself a little grace, a little self-compassion and patience, you'll get it. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I ever saw wasn't something somebody told me personally. It was something I saw through the work of Dr. Kelly McGonigal. Mm-hmm. And she suggests reframing your relationship with stress. And the thing that I learned later in life was if you can think about that, whether you call it anxiety or nerves or whatever, if you can, you can kind of reframe it as my body is just simply summoning the energy for what I need to do next and befriend it. And when you do that, yeah, you might be a little nervous, but it's like, ah, so I adopted that mindset plus added for me. And I'm also just going to have a conversation. So whether I'm presenting, Mm -hmm. yes, I love that. Great. And I love to you, you and Pilar both said it, the rule of three. Like I find that that helps me. Um, My husband was a former McKinsey consultant and, and their framework was always what, you know, why, and then how. You know, lead with yes. uh, don't bury the lead, Pilar. You said that I know the last time we we were chatting, getting ready for a conversation. But don't bury the, bury the lead. Like what what are we telling you to do? Why? And then how do you go about doing it? And so that rule of three can really help you. And I love 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 that it's a conversation. It's yes. not an inquisition. <laughs> There's so much here that I mean, my brain is like exploding with ideas now. But I think. I want to back up a tiny bit to something that Michelle Please said do. when she was referencing Kelly McGonigal's work. That's a form of conscious language right there. Redefining how you're feeling from I'm terrified, I'm nervous, I don't know what to say to I'm excited, I'm full of energy, I'm 
determined to land my point. Even if your internal conversation is spoken in conscious language, I'm ready. You know, those words are very different than, oh my gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Like that kind of self-language, that matters, that internal conversation. And that the embodiment, you know, whether it's the power poses of Amy Cuddy or the redefining stress from Kelly McGonigal, these teachers are giving us ways of redefining our reality and in that is a prescription for how to speak our reality in a way that helps us land our ideas and land our intentions more effectively. I want to also say there are so many times I've had that experience, as Michelle describes it, of thinking I've blurted out the answer, and yet the answer was not received. You know, I was communicating, right. but the communication was not being landed well. And I think part of that has to do with that trifecta of, first of all, your presence are you, have you commanded the attention in the room from the, your listeners before you speak the idea? You mentioned, Michelle, the guy who landed the idea took a moment. He set the stage, whether he did it consciously or not. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? Raised his hand. I, I can see you in Zoom. You're like raising your finger, tapping on his head. He was commanding attention in his physical presence before he spoke. And he also said, I know. I have a solution. I have an idea. That's conscious language. I statements are really powerful examples of this. Anything that follows I is a declaration. That's something I learned from my teacher, Kat Thompson. Um, and this is one of those many principles of conscious language. We can talk about the tactics. But it's so interesting to me that the way you describe that situation was a perfect, well, cautionary tale, for one. Who hasn't right. had that experience? Right. <laughs> but also, I, a tale I of have. a solution. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so I'm going to throw a curveball at you both. In fact, two curveballs. Okay, so in that situation, as an ally to Michelle, and hopefully it'd be a male ally, probably more likely a female ally, but what should be said or done? In my view, I mean, I'd love to hear Michelle's answer, but if, if I had been in that room, first of all, I hope I would have heard Michelle. I would have, I would like to think, I would have seen the signals of Michelle gearing up to land her idea, even if she didn't have the words, and the excitement in her body, and the eyes darting. I would, I would like to think that I would have like, hey guys, I think Michelle has something to say. <laughs> Michelle, do you have an idea? Like, it would be nice yeah. to create a platform for what she was about to say. And then even if it came out blurted, to be able to like create a little more space again, like I'd like to hear that again. Can you say that again? Wait, there's something yeah. in there. I'm not sure I heard it. Can you say that again? And um, or I heard a piece of that. Say it again. You know, that kind of thing. I think it's just a nice way to help create space for language to land. If you feel that you've, you know, particularly if there's someone who you think deserves the floor who doesn't get it often enough. Because some people who are very effective communicators can command yeah. the floor more than they deserve to have it, <laughs> frankly. Or, or I've had to do this too. I would have said, hey, wow, great minds think alike. Oh, when the guy has said that. Right. Oh, yeah, you know, because M- Michelle just shared I just heard that, that same point. You yeah. know? I just heard Michelle say that. Uh, yeah. All right. So one more, my second curveball. Um, Can I add one thing to that? Oh, oh goodness, uh, please. Yeah. So uh, what I love about that is that um, the way we can be allies for one another in a room, whether you're male or yeah. female, is to repeat the idea mm-hmm. of the person whose idea it was. So it may not be right after they say it, but later in the meeting saying, oh, I want to go back to Pilar's Validate. idea. 
and I want to add on it or whatever, or I really liked Pilar's idea about X, Y, Z. And this we know has happened in the Obama administration in his first term. There's a story about how this happened, that the women in the room uh, kept having ideas and the men in the room kept taking those ideas as if they were their own. And then they got hip and they together started doing that for one another. Every time they spoke, they referenced the idea where it was appropriate of the other Love woman. Love that. Until Barack Obama, uh, from what I understand, I wasn't in the room, that he got it. He was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the room got it. So we yeah. can we can support each other by doing those kinds of things. Not, not just for women, but for, for those people whose voices and whose ideas keep getting taken. Yeah. We can, we have a, there's a, an obligation, I think, for us to do that for one yeah. another. Yeah, I agree. It, completely. And same, same in the case of interruption. Right. Like, and that's where I think I, I started the, the, like the threes. Cause it's like, okay, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> hope is not a strategy, right? The people are going to let me get to my third point, but if, and when I'm interrupted, what would you both say should happen? Well, if you're in a trio of points, I, I think it's always nice. I'd like to hear, I'd like you to, I'd like to hear the completion right. of that idea. Or I know you were right. going someplace with that. Um, I, I, there's, again, I, I feel clear in my soul that one of the biggest challenges though, is that with all of these techniques, as you layer on this knowledge base, it can become almost crippling to try to speak clearly and consciously. You have too many sets of rules, too many plans and strategies. And I think it's important when we're counseling other folks in our organizations or watching out for the younger people coming up in our groups, that that we find ways to coach and counsel them to express themselves more effectively without making them feel that there's no way they can possibly do this all correctly. I will say for me personally, when I was learning the earliest phases of conscious language from teachers, when I was studying this, writing articles Mm -hmm. about it, have been doing podcasts on it, there were periods of time where my sister and I, who were both learning at once, would look at each other and honestly, we would be speechless because the effort of trying to say exactly what we meant without saying something we did not mean or decorating it with a bunch of unnecessary language was so difficult that sometimes we would feel that we could not say anything at all. And I don't want anybody to feel that there's so many rules of conscious language, I declarations and being succinct and all of this is great, when you're beginning, it's really important to know this is like a mastery level potential area of skill. And you cannot learn it all at once, as you said, Michelle, and as you said too, Sarah. So I'll go back to the threes just to say, I think claiming the floor, that's a good strategy, you okay. know, but sometimes you will not get through three. And and I, I, I know yeah. in rooms where I've been, the idea is that you know you're trying to solve an idea together. No one wants to hear your trio of ideas. They want the solution to right. the problem, you know. And then, then comes the social pressure of can you work with other people? Can you arrange a time? Can you say I have three ideas? I'd like an opportunity to present them. Will you guys give me the floor for three minutes? You guys being you people, not just guys. Right. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to hear what Michelle has to say. Well, I think uh, sometimes to capture the you can use the rule of threes that we've we've referenced so much. So if you have three ideas, you you if you can give a one word powerful label to each one, say like I got three ideas, execution, presentation, 
revenue. Like, and I want to tell you which I want to tell you about these three. So let's, let's, you know, and yeah, because if you can capture the attention with the language, you might have a better shot, but Pilar is right. Sometimes there's just, you don't have the time or the conditions don't warrant it. But if you are very like, um, I don't, I don't know that creative is the right word, but you, you choose the language consciously and give it a short label. Don't try to say, Hey, I've got this idea that does this. Da, 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 da. It's like one increased revenue two brand management three, you know, what have you. Um, the other thing that I want to say is that I have spent some time in adult learning in the education world. And here's what I know about how we learn chunkable bite-sized pieces. And so when you think about all the rules about how do I lead, how do I speak consciously, how do I, you know, do this, um, you know, evaluation, just take one thing. What, what, what happens is we look at the end result and we try to be that end result now. Yeah. So take one thing, practice that, and then layer the next when you're ready. And then by time you get to the end, you will have practiced and, and ultimately, embody that which you wish to be. So it is not, an, it's not as effortful. Mm-hmm. It's effortful when you don't know it and you haven't embodied it yet. So you have to give yourself grace and patience and time. It, yeah. it's, it's almost like you could say, okay, every quarter I'm going to focus on one thing, right? This quarter, I'm going to eliminate that word just. Um, and, and it also seems like you need an accountability buddy or coach, right? So somebody who's in the meetings with you, listening to you so they can, you know, coach you and, and, and catch you and reinforce. But I love what you're saying, which is one, take one thing and focus on it. And then one by one, it, you know, you can build out your boss too, right? Like maybe building in it as a personal goal, like, hey, I really want to improve my communication skills. And, you know, how do I make that happen? Well, I will say too, you know, there's the tactics are useful. And I, I've written, I don't know, a, a, a trio, I would say, of articles on conscious language. I would encourage people, if we can include some in the show notes, I've done podcasts on conscious language, interviewing Absolutely. teachers. And, and, and I think reading, understanding the reasons behind these sort of rules or guidelines is useful. Because I think many times the speaking, even if you give yourself an accountability buddy or ask someone to help monitor your language, if you don't understand the reasons that you're doing this, the right. intention behind it, it it becomes almost too much. It's like trying to speak French and English at the same time. It doesn't work very well, and it can scramble your brain to this extent that you get less effective <laughs> and more effective. Right. I, one thing I like to do is notice when I've said something and simply self-correct. You know, if I am saying, I just happen to think that it might be better if I could restate it and say, you know what, I'm going to back up. I know this would be a better solution. I, I would propose we do this. I propose we do this. I can get out the would. I, can, I don't have to say I would propose. I can say I propose. Instead of, I think that perhaps maybe I could say my suggested solution is this. If I can correct myself, one neat thing that happens is that I'm modeling what it looks like to improve my language on the fly. And it doesn't mean I have to, you know, if I'm making a formal presentation, I might be more (laughs) organized about it. But like with my teacher, when I heard her say, I choose to remember, or I had a boss that would say, instead of, I don't understand, would say, I'd like to understand. 
Um, those small adjustments were noticeable enough that I began self-correcting when I would say things like, I don't have the energy. I would, I'm working to build the energy, you know, or I don't have this skill. I would like to have this skill. Positive re reframings of things. So you don't feel then the pressure to do it perfectly the first time. And you can kind of decloak that this is becoming a conscious yeah. effort. This is a counsel for, I think, leaders primarily and bosses and people that have younger folks or less experienced folks coming up in their, in their organization. Um, so I, I, each of us has to choose, I think, how much coaching we want on the fly on this. But I want to just be clear, like, this is, we're entering into dangerous territory here. It's already hard enough for most women to get the floor and speak their mind if we then layer on, like, and you can't say any of these code, you know, dangerous know. words. It's trouble. No, it, it, you, you put it so well, it could be crippling, right? And so it's like honing in on one or two things that you want to work on. I want to remind everybody too that's listening that all of these resources, Pilar and Michelle have been so generous. Um, it, as Pilar mentioned, she has a couple of other podcasts you're going to want to listen to. Michelle has some great resources as well. We're going to post all of those um, so that you can take advantage of them. And oh my goodness, we need three more hours this week. <laughs> um, it, sadly, we must close. Um I want to thank everybody who listened in today. Um, wow. We did unpack a lot, but it, it to me, like so useful, I hope for everybody as, as business leaders, both for yourselves and for your team members. Um, Pilar and Michelle, I want to thank you. You were absolutely incredible and great perspectives and great advice. And I want to thank Voice America for always giving me and New the opportunity to share our voice and our mission with all of you. Um, join us next week. We're going to talk about caregiving. So we've talked a lot about parenting in these past two years of Cray Cray. We talked about fur parenting, but uh, we, we learned about a recent stat that two-thirds of all employees have caregiving needs. And so we're going to talk about how companies can do a better job supporting people in caregiving, elderly parents, extended family, you know, friends, et cetera. So we're going to talk a lot about that. You can always find us at newonline.org for all of our great podcasts. And please, please, please reach out and let us know what topics you'd love to have us cover. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you so very much for listening to us today. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.